As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Well, thank you for joining us for this conversation with the Talent Magnet Institute and Centennial. I get the distinct pleasure here of sitting with and leading the conversation with Shannon Starkey-Taylor, the CEO of Learning Grove, and uh, Jordan Heisinga, the Vice President of Development. For those who are going, I've not heard of Learning Grove. It was formerly known as Children, Inc., and as a big, long-time supporter and friend of Children, Inc., it has taken me a few weeks to get used <laughs> to this. Shannon? So when we talk with parents, there's lots of things out there. People are, you know, the zoo has great things that you can tune into for virtual and lots of educational materials. But we're focusing on what is it like for a mom to be bouncing a kid on their lap while kids running around the house and the kid who literally does not understand, which gets me choked up every time of like, why can't I be with my friends at school? Yeah. And that's not just cute to say that. That is actually affecting children who feel it in their bodies. They're very visceral. Um, so it's not just like, oh, they miss their friends. It's actually like they're stressed out. They miss their friends. What can we do? And they miss their teacher who besides their mom, they spend and sometimes even more time with that individual. So we're doing a lot of calls with children to teachers and then also having teachers facilitate child to child calls and having them write notes to the teachers, put them on Facebook, doing a lot of talking to the kids. Those are things that work for any family, right? Not just families in our own child care center. So we're creating teachers, are creating virtual communities to reach out to children and families. And then we're also just making sure that we're amping up our social emotional strategies because I haven't seen a lot of that out on Facebook, et cetera, and making sure parents know what to say with their children, how much to say, et cetera. And this is beyond like, you know, make sure they're not exposed to too much about the pandemic here. Those basic things that are being communicated are great. But at the end of the day, as if I'm a parent, do I have a sample daily schedule that is used when they're at school? What do I say to kind of keep the teacher in mind while they can't see the teacher each day? So those are the practical things. And then I thought Jordan could talk about what we're doing outside of our childcare centers to reach more families. So what's unique to Learning Grove that we can offer? I would say that's our social emotional development and our spin on that. Yeah, certainly. So kind of continuing on a lot of what Shannon was talking about is that one of the things that has always been a part of Children Inc. and Cincinnati Early Learning Centers and is now a really critical and integral part of Learning Grove's culture is truly the relationships that we build with families. And so through all of our programs, whether it's in a child care center or it's in one of our outside services at a uh, Every Child Succeeds Home Visitation program, our staff and our employees are building extraordinary relationships with those families, with their families. And so then continuing those relationships during this crisis, during this shutdown, during the epidemic is absolutely integral to how we are delivering those services. So Shannon talked about how our preschool teachers and kindergarten teachers and a lot of our early childhood teachers are continuing to build and manage those relationships and continuing to support the children and families that we care for. And some of our outside services, including which might be our family child care providers, which are in-home care providers that are building and managing extraordinary relationships with hundreds of families around Northern Kentucky. Our Every Child Succeeds home visitors, that are providing home visitation services to hundreds of families around Boone, Kenton, and Campbell counties. Those folks, those staff who are also building and managing extraordinary relationships outside of a classroom now are continuing to support those families in their social and emotional development of their children, as Shannon mentioned. And also, as a lot of those relationships were already built outside the classroom, We are also leveraging a lot of those opportunities really to deliver and provide emergency services and emergency supplies and food and uh, hygiene. Diapers and wipes are something that 
you know, is an extraordinary need for a lot of our families that WIC doesn't cover diapers and wipes. And so that's been a really significant need for a lot of our families. It's hard for anybody right now to find Mm-hmm. diapers and wipes and toilet paper and hand sanitizer and all of that stuff, much less if you're a high need at risk family. So the relationships that our outside services have built really around all around Northern Kentucky, all around Southwest Ohio have been significant. Cincinnati Early Learning Centers actually has operated a food bank in Price Hill for years. And so the Price Hill Food Pantry has really been now expanded through a partnership with Restore Food Bank and Cincinnati Public Schools, is using our Learning Together RV to set up in communities and deliver food to those high-need communities in partnership with the Free Store and in partnership with Cincinnati Public Schools. So the relationships that we've developed through our programs have been just a, a critical pathway to continue to deliver those messages of social-emotional support to the we serve. But a lot of our outside services programs have been an extraordinary opportunity for us to not only provide that social and emotional support to our families, but also provide a lot of those emergency needs that a lot of our families are experiencing right now, too. What type of demand and what type of needs do you have and are you hearing about where those that are listening can kind of put into perspective how their family or how their company can help right now? What are the needs that you have right now? I'll say as a region, I think the food support that has come out of the woodwork has been really extraordinary. Mm -hmm. The food distribution that's going on here in Covington, I live across the street from an elementary school here in Covington, and they distribute food to families every day between 11.30 and 12.30. And so right now, they're, I'm looking out my window and they're distributing food across the street. Mm-hmm. And I think Covington Public Schools has about, it's eight or nine or 10 different distribution sites. I know Cincinnati Public Schools is having a lot of distribution sites. I think all of their elementary schools are food distribution sites. Of course, the Free Store Food Bank, Master Pro- a lot of our partners have been really extraordinary in distributing food. One of the things that we're hearing now from a lot of our partners and from a lot of our families is as the economic impact Mm -hmm. grows even for a lot of families, that need isn't going away. So as we look into the first month and even the second month and possibly get into a third month of really economic impact and economic slowdown and social distancing at home, those needs are going to become even greater. So I think how we at Learning Grove and how a lot of our partners um, are looking at this in a immediate emergency response has been really extraordinary. And so how do we make that sustainable? Yeah. For us, a lot of the demand and the need that we're seeing is specific to our age groups. So the diapers and wipes that I mentioned for low-income families, baby food is often something that a lot of the food banks don't get a lot of Mm -hmm. donations of infant-specific or toddler-specific food. So baby food, diapers, of course, the antibacterial hand soap, uh, hygiene, shampoo, deodorant, dish soap, cleaning supply stuff is certainly a big need for us and for our families. But I think for that need to be sustained really over the next month is really going to be a significant way in how we can respond, how folks can respond, not only right now immediately, but how we make that sustainable over the coming months. Yeah. One thing I was going to add is, so we're Learning Grove, like a lot of other nonprofits are, you know, whether it's United Way, who's convening us on pandemic centers or Strive, which is the one I'll mention, who's convening uh, nonprofits. It was interesting yesterday on the call because they're doing some mapping at Children's Hospital of where the most need is per community. And that's about as general as I can put it for right now. And so interesting things came up about, and I had asked if they're getting, because they were saying we're not logistics experts. So I think a way a company could help if it's not concrete help with diapers or wipes, or obviously the philanthropic community has been very generous by saying, you know, keep the donations for your gala, even if it's virtual. If there's things that companies want to do, we were saying like, we're not logistics experts. So 
that was one thing that came up on the call that I'm going to put out to my Vistage group who have a lot of logistics expertise. And then the other thing that came up was really interesting is so Jordan did a really good job of mentioning those, the public schools on both sides of the river that are open, but then there's some that are not in walking distance. And if you think about walking distance, let's say I was a single mom with my four kids walking somewhere, it's the weather's getting better, thank God, but like walking somewhere with four kids in tow or even in a stroller, if you're lucky enough to have that and then carrying back the groceries. Mm. Others are, we're thinking about like repurposing, like what if businesses that had trucks or literally like the Kona ice and the ice cream trucks become distribution for diapers, wipes, and essential food. So what I've been impressed with, Mike, and you've been posting about this is the helpfulness of everybody in the community, but actually the innovation. And it's coming quickly to people. Like literally on that call, we're going from everything from, yeah, but some parents can't walk there. And people are saying, I know somebody who owns five Kona ice, you know, driving trucks. Let's make sure that we can get the essentials. So I think what Jordan said is correct. And then just making sure that there's a way for, whether it's taking it mobile, that there's a way for people to access it if they're not right across the street, like Jordan said to the schools. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that cool? Like logistics could help nonprofits deploy these services in different ways. Just like, yeah, so. That's a real encouragement for those listening as you think of ideas. Oh, I wonder if now's a great time to take action on the wonder ifs. Yes. Right? For us to reach out real time. The point that you mentioned, I was going to, this is a great opportunity to share it. That's something that we need to put out. To all of our organizations, we need, and all of us people who, you know, we were registered for your fundraiser that was mm-hmm. happening last weekend, right? And we were one yes. of the sponsors. And thank you for that. We need to make those checks out. And we still yeah. do everything we can to support the nonprofits right now that not only are your services, needs, and innovations going up but you need the financial support to make that happen, right? So all of us need to follow through on our commitments and figure out ways to elevate the organizations that we know are in the crosshairs of this to be able to support as much as we can. Yeah. So thank you for all you're doing that you and your teams are doing for learning Mm -hmm. and our community. Share with us a little bit on we talk a lot about the importance of childcare for children and grandchildren that employees need support for. But when you run into an essential business, how's it happening real time? Do essential mm-hmm. business employees still get to leverage childcare or are they all trying to juggle that now as well? So if I'm understanding you right, like how are people for pandemic childcare sites? Is that? Yeah. Yeah good question. And that's the part that's really from all sorts. Like I would have thought from my seat, it would have been more B2B. So their HR director calling our HR director, our program staff. So we had a little bit of that up front with Oncology Hematology Center. Neil Tilla and I have worked together for years with Talbert House. Because I think one thing that the media is getting better at is saying that essential staff is also like residential treatment. So kids that are having behavioral issues, they're not like shutting all those down. So there's healthcare, which is really front lines dealing with the most that are sick, but then there's also those that just cannot shut their doors. So we have some of those relationships and obviously Sanies and others um, that we thought of or they thought of us. And then we were surprised that we had quite a few, which we shouldn't be surprised at, but you know, just full transparency. We don't, the enrollment data, this pandemic will teach us what to track and collect earlier on. But we had quite a few of our own parents using the centers that were essential staff in the broadest term, and then also some that were in the healthcare. So you see in Cincinnati Children's. So we put out some press releases, kind of the basic things that you would do. And then Jordan mentioned, or maybe I was to mention our core competencies and values, and one of them is collaborations. So we've just been trying our best to get a hold of individuals. What's been interesting is we're just opening pandemic sites and nobody knows. So if we open two with six kids per classroom, should we get the feelers out to like 15 essential company, essential staff companies? And then if so, will we be able to meet the demand? Because here's the other tricky part, just like for hospitals and healthcare, 
finding staff stating the obvious to work in a pandemic childcare center is not always easy. However, we believe our mission first, that's what's driving us. If we say we're going to serve the most at risk that need us the most, this is the time that we need to step up and do it. So I compliment the staff that have done that and we're really taking good care of them with their compensation. However, if we don't fill those slots, we just keep losing dollars after dollars. So I think they're coming to us with past relationships of businesses like Twin Towers, which is a senior center calling us. And then a lot of it's just word of mouth, which I think is leading to more of a trickle effect. But we're getting prepared at Learning Grove from about April 15th to probably beginning mid-May to actually see, unfortunately, with the trend of the pandemic, to see our numbers really tick up. So this podcast is another great way that people who are listening that have childcare needs, we can get the word out so they can visit our website. And we've got a flyer up there. We're seven to four. And I mentioned East Walnut Hills and at Covington. And if the need grows, we'll grow. So we'll open up additional sites. We want to just start small, perfect it. Because like I mentioned, some of the people coming to our care were strangers to them. So we didn't want to just open up a million sites with complete strangers and not work out what's that onboarding going to be like for the child coming into the center so they know that it's scary because kids, like I said, are really picking up on, even though parents are trying to remain calm, you know, this isn't the place I usually go every day. This is across town and wait, mom, where are you going? And so we really are doing it slow. So I would say as the pandemic spreads, unfortunately, I think our numbers will tick up and word of mouth will spread from other essential staff to one another. Yeah, I would add that what we're hearing and getting calls on 24-7, I mean, the weekends right now, I've even had to let my children know, like, this is how our work shows up right now all the time. Employers are calling us on the weekends and late evenings. I feel like every night I'm on the phone and my eight-year-old definitely picks up and doesn't quite understand, right? right? Just wants me to be up saying our bedtime prayers and I always say that Ethan loves to ask me at least three very random, deep questions before <laughs> he goes to bed, um, which I love. Oh, yeah, that's great. You know, I was on the phone last night till 9.15. Yeah. client who was working through some dynamics that he was having to manage for today. But what we're also hearing are these essential manufacturing facilities. I was on the yes. phone with a group of executives this morning. And I had a client Sunday night call and say, Mike, what do you and your team think? How do we actually, I need to add 75 people because we just landed a ventilation project. Wow. Um, when that happens, the childcare needs arrive, yeah, right? So I think to. we're also yeah. going to see that as well, that yeah. organizations and people are going to have needs. So just thank you yeah. for all doing and all of the providers. I know that uh, there were some providers that we're going to also sign into this as well. Thank you for all that you all are doing. Hey, Mike, one thing I wanted to say is, and it's going to sound a little corny, but part of the things I've been talking about, like I said, our parents and just the preparation you did with your child on this new normal is really key. So we're really encouraging parents to do a lot of preparation. It just call a spade a spade. Like things are going to look different. Dad is going to be on the calls even on, Saturday. We're watching church online rather than going to church. So I just wanted to compliment you. Not that I'm a bit surprised, but on that good parenting as far as the preparation. Sounds so obvious, but preparation right now is key to everything because their whole world is just discombobulated, just like ours is. Yeah. Well, we've been talking a lot about now is when your core values and your culture shows up, right? Yep. And our children and grandchildren that are around all of those that are listening today, all of those that are watching and participating, they're going to define their future beliefs around work of how we respond right now, right? Yeah. This will last a lifetime, but it will define how they remember how we treated people, right? Yeah. And that's a really important time to also emphasize the kind of work you do and Mm -hmm. why it's so important at a time like this. Could you share with us, again, we were joking yesterday that it is very normal right now to get on a Zoom call and and someone has a child on their knee or (laughs) 
kids in the same room? Or could you share with us some tips for parents right now who sure. are from home and have their children at home? Yeah. So I've got five that would apply to whether your kids are at home or just kind of under any kind of crazy circumstance like we're in. The first one, and it's we're hard at this as adults, is just giving yourself grace. So I'm going to be good enough right now as a parent, you know, and that part just gets me choked up just saying it, but I really believe it. And I'm, I'm going to be making calls out to some of the parents at the centers where my kids go more as a CEO, just to say, like, make sure you're giving yourself grace first and foremost, because when you give yourself grace, you're able to be more calm. Mm-hmm. The next thing woven into that. So if we're calm and the research has said our children will interact and be calm back. They are, they are watching our body language, our tone of voice more than what we're saying. You could just say the most intelligent thing, but if you're saying it in a voice that's not calm, it's not going to sink in. Mm. I think the second thing is we believe at Learning Grove that behaviors are feelings to be understood. So literally your child might act like, I'll just be funny on purpose because I think we need a little humor like an alien. You might be like, what in the world is happening with my kid? Like, where's my loving kid? Mm. The only way, even if they're verbal and preschoolers, that they can communicate is through their behaviors. They will go to their behavior first because they haven't developed, you know, we're really into brain development and they haven't developed all of those aspects yet. So what in the moment is that behavior trying to tell me? And that's their feeling that should be understood. So if I can try to figure out what they're trying to communicate and I'm calm already, I can better intervene. The third one is a practical one but I don't want people to just view it as wallpaper because it's like, oh yeah, yeah. And you nod your head, but sticking to a daily schedule and having a combination of physical activity. So even if you're working like I am and many other people with kids at home, I think it's the majority of people who are going to have physical activity. It's going to be 10 and 11 after the kids, usually the kids are up for two to three hours and then you need to get them outside. And then I'm going to have some quiet activity when they come in to bring it back to center. So they can't come in from outside and then you expect them to be like, well, they should be tired. I'm going to get on my Zoom call with Mike Sipple. They should be tired by now. You have to do a quiet activity to bring them center. So yoga or anything like that. And I got to actually practice what I preach and do the yoga app. I haven't done that yet. I've just done the calming app. With daily schedule, we mentioned preparation. So We've been taking car rides with the kids. So we're going to go on a car ride and we're going to do that in about an hour, setting a timer, not just some people have used their phone, but you need your phone. So setting something that the kid can see in an hour, we're going to go here. And then while you're in the call, we've been driving by Treasure House, now called River Center. This is where you go to school. It's still there. There are kids right now that are there that are nurses. So if you see kids on the playground, it's going to be open again. It's temporarily closed. What does that mean? The fourth one would be stay connected as much as you can to people, not just your family. Because what I've underestimated is the power, which is silly as a CEO of Learning Grove, but I'll just continue to be transparent. The power that the teacher has in the child's life. Like they are saying, I miss Miss Jessie. And when I talk to parents and teachers, they're hearing from their own parents that they're missing more than we would have ever imagined. And we're ECE experts, humbly, I'd like to say. So in addition to calling grandma and talking, you know, I've seen cute videos of waving to the grandpa, waving to his grandchild. Talk about the teacher and make appointments to actually call and FaceTime. Thank God we have technology now as opposed to in the past. And then I think finally, I would say stay as present as you can while giving yourself grace. So you're going to need more screen time. We're not a big advocates of screen time, but just be intentional about it. I'm not going to just use that time as the babysitter or the TV as the babysitter, but talking through things that I can. So just trying to be as present as you can, even if the TV's on would be the thing I would suggest. Mm. Wow. That's great. Thank you for doing that. I know one of my kids had lunch yesterday with her teacher. Oh. To your point, our kids also are in athletics and they have yeah. no practices, right? They're used to being in a basketball. So Two nights ago, the coach sent out a Zoom link and my daughter Abigail had her first ever basketball practice via Zoom with all of her teammates. So I love that. I appreciate it so much the way that, I mean, it was a legitimate coaching practice, right? It was like, I can see the way you're moving your feet and love it. 
you know, our kids need that. They get so accustomed to that. The other is that I just from what you just said, just reiterating the fact that the first few days, I know the conversation was how I actually did verbalize this, of which I'm not proud. How do your <laughs> teachers handle you guys? All oh, long? totally. <laughs> but it's the structure, what you mentioned, it's the structure, right. it's the, there's a reason why classes change and there's structure throughout the day for our kids, because when there's no structure, it is pure chaos. Totally. <laughs> and they need it. In a lot of classrooms, in a lot of education environments, there's rhythm and there's daily habits. Mm-hmm. And think about that rhythm and those daily habits that you have and that you can start in your household. Those will help create a little bit more sense of normalcy for you and for your kids. Yeah. You know, one thing I can envision out of this when we get through this crisis is we've always, and we should continue to lift up nurses and healthcare professionals. And with a big and, wouldn't it be amazing if we, because some teachers complain, like just because you went to school doesn't mean you're a childcare teacher or a teacher. We really don't have any idea unless we're doing it. But what if what came out of this campaign was just a movement of really valuing and appreciating from a public awareness campaign, all of the people, because now we know, well, a little bit, because we don't have a classroom of 10, but we have a sense of what our teachers, whether they're, you know, infant, toddler, preschool, or K through 12 do on a daily basis. So how can we offer so much gratitude so they stay in the profession? It's really hard to recruit, in particular, childcare teachers. So maybe this is the opportunity for the whole teaching industry to rise above and for people to say like, well done. We couldn't imagine how you did it. Our kids were aliens. You have a whole classroom full of it. God bless you. You can't even go and take a potty break without somebody stepping in. So like I can just see, Mike, I know we've got similar philosophical and spiritual backgrounds. I could see a really interesting um, thank you after this is all finished for those people in addition to our first responders and healthcare professionals. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you share ways that your, I don't know, I assume your workforce has been impacted by this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you share ways that you're continuing to support and communicate. And I'll share some examples as well as what we've been Good. seeing, but could you share what you all are sure. trying to do proactively? Sure. And I can't wait to hear from you because, boy, we need to be innovative in this space, all of us. So I'm grabbing new ideas every day from people. So we have always had all staff chats, which is a time for me to be face-to-face with staff. So how do we turn those virtually? Because I think it's one thing for me to have 8 a.m. check-ins with my executive team. But hey, by the way, there's 380 Jordan other staff that are out there. So we're planning virtual coffees and lunches where an executive team member calls in or does a Zoom call and people can participate. We're doing about three to four times. It was more frequently before, just emails from me, and I'm going to turn that into a video this weekend. We're ramping up employee assistance program, which I feel like might be underutilized now. I'd have to talk to EAP. But if businesses and agencies have employee assistance programs, we're asking them to think differently too. Does it have to be that I'm stressed and I'm calling you? Could you do some proactive approaches at least to our leadership team or maybe groups, our home visitors? Could you do a Zoom call with them? Mm -hmm. So I think that's been something that's I was a little late to get to that I wish I would have done earlier. When I say all these, these are probably common. So I hope people that are listening aren't like, yeah, yeah, Shannon, we did these, but a virtual happy hour. So anytime I've had to force some groups in my agency, they said, oh, we're doing conference calls. I'm like, no, we need to see you. We have to see people, not because we trust that everybody's working hard, but we need to promote that human element. So anytime possible, just making sure we can do that. Unfortunately, we're preparing to what does the support look like when one of us is affected? Hmm. So, you know, is that just food delivery and who will, because I think when it happens, it's going to happen suddenly. So what is our response going to be for that? So I think those are the broad things that we're up to. Jordan, did I miss anything? Then I'd love to hear Mike's. The communication has been really extraordinary and really critical. That's been really for the last month has been extraordinary. Almost early on, it was probably what, Shannon, maybe every other day, maybe once a week, email, 
about what our plans are, what our communication is. Now it's every day or every other day, an email, mm-hmm. every staff person with updates, with information about what's changed, what's new, and what's coming up. So I think that transparent and regular communication is really extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Some of the other things that have been really successful, we didn't have this a month ago, two months ago, but uh, a Facebook page that's employees only. Mm-hmm. And the activity there has been really, really neat, really extraordinary. And I think one of the fun things about something like that, that is our community that is really Learning Grove employees is celebrating each other. And so celebrating really the extraordinary work of, you know, screenshots of uh, one of our, you know, Navigo employees sharing their virtual coaching with a dozen different high school students Mm. and celebrating that work that's going on right now. Honestly, just very stressful time for all of us. Mm. Being celebrated has been a really, really important thing that we've been very intentional about on the executive team for all of our staff. Mm. That's been a lot of fun too. I think just one other thing to add about the communication is that, and this again might seem obvious, but I, I've always been or strive to be transparent, but I'm trying to be much more personal in my communication. It really stinks working from home. I'm with you. This is what happened the other day. Or if I'm on a call, just letting things unfold if they're chaotic. And I think staff are appreciating that. We're we're asking questions in our communication. Again, a simple point, but to promote engagement. Please send me pictures of what you're doing, how you're balancing, you know, being a parent and actually working from home. What are three things that you've done to keep connected with your teachers? So think not just making sure it's not monologue that's promoting some kind of dialogue has been really, really important. But I think this is the time to show your true, as a leader, your true human side and just be super honest, but making sure the communication is, is really clear and not being afraid if things look a little messy because then people go, oh God, it, you know, I'm not the only one going through this. Our, you know, our CEO or VP of development, our whole executive team is actually trying to figure this whole mess out. Right, yeah. I think the other thing I'd say too, as we were talking about earlier around pulling down and really showing off our virtues and our values as an organization and our culture as an organization is really best practice. And so what a lot of our staff who are doing now that aren't in a classroom working are really focusing on their own professional development. So how can we continue to improve best practices? How can we continue to exhibit and deliver best practices in the classroom when we get back to a classroom and virtually in the relationships that we develop and manage with children and with families. So a lot of our staff are really doing an extraordinary amount of professional development right now, which we are, you know, the executive team is extraordinarily supportive of because again, that's just really a value and a virtue that we have uh, every day of every year. We've had those values for years. And so in this time of crisis, how do we support our staff who are exploring professional development opportunities to improve their own practice? Mm, That's excellent. Yeah, some of the things, and you've hit on these, so it's awesome that you're talking about how to lead well during this time. The one thing I'll share is that some of us, some organizations and leaders, this all hits so quickly that we, it's almost like we have to go back and reverse a little bit because we wish we would have handled this situation this way or this situation that way. And I think, to be frank, sharing that out with people and just saying this all happened so radically quick that we needed to respond based on what we had to do. But you know, we encouraged organizations today on a webinar that we had to just spend some time and create an all points communication that includes video because people need to see your inflection to be frank they even need to they need to see your pain and emotion you need to be yeah. transparent during this time that we don't all have the answers yeah like most humans right now who we're trying to figure out we're all in that together jordan you were mentioning earlier on the daily rhythms and shannon you touched on it as well that our children need daily rhythms and so do we correct so keeping up with our daily rhythms, taking deep breaths, 
we've been, you know, focused on gratitude. I love the fact that the birds start chirping at like 545 in the morning every morning, right? And Mm -hmm. there's lots of nature to enjoy the hyacinths and the daffodils are still coming up. And it's a great time to not only personally reflect on that, but share those consistencies and those things that always will be with our kids. The other piece is we've been encouraging, you know, I know a good friend of mine shared with me about empathy is putting, like looking through the lens of others, right? And that's our employees, that's our teams, that's our customers, but really thinking about when we're delivering something, not how it makes us feel that's creating the message, but how will they accept it? What will that communication feel like? Listening to our employees' needs. You were mentioning if we, you know, organizations are going to continue to have to wrestle through change. I was on, uh, Shannon, with my Vistage group this morning, and organizations are making changes now. And if things don't change the next two, three weeks or two, three months, we're going to have to make changes then as well. And Mm -hmm. I think just being really thoughtful about the impact and the needs of our people, you know, at the end of the day, we keep saying people are going to remember this moment for decades and they're going to remember how we responded. Yeah. Including our children are going to remember how we responded, right? Our partners, our donors, every staff, our employees. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I could weave in, Mike, I jotted down, thank you for some of the things you're doing, which are amazing. And it just reminded me that I need to make sure our staff, our leadership staff or emerging leaders um, tune into all the offerings that you all have at Centennial. But there's a question, and I wanted to say hi to Lisa Garofalo, who's a dear partner and friend and early childhood expert. So she should be sitting here rather than me right now. But she asked about whether we're concerned if staff will return. And boy, that goes through our is we've got, you know, the unemployment option that's turbocharged and then just putting out the facts here, sometimes depending on where you are in an industry, that might be more appealing than what you're making now. That shouldn't happen. We should never have unemployment um, be higher than people's living wage currently. So we are concerned about people returning. That's why we're just going for, like many, the small business loan and applying for that. And we're paying our staff. And one thing I wanted to mention about the pandemic childcare center, and I've used a lot of communication with staff, which I don't always like to use, but because we don't know, I've said as of right now, and we're going to look at things in kind of two week increments. So it doesn't leave a very settling feeling, but it's truthful is we're paying our pandemic childcare staff more than we would pay because there's got to be something that, you know, besides Attaboy, you know, you're in the pandemic childcare center that we offer. So yes, Lisa, we're thinking about just like you would have stay bonuses, kind of re-engagement bonuses, or what does that look like in childcare in particular, which Lisa has a lot of experience. It's already high, hard to retain staff, a national average of a 33% turnover rate, which is, I know, um, not as high as restaurant turnover, but it feels pretty high if you're taking care of human beings. So how do we make sure? And that's why we're using every bucket of funding, just like everybody is, to try to keep, and we are keeping employees on payroll with their health and dental um, insurance, because at the tail end of this, they will look back and say, how did Learning Grove treat us? And that will be modeled. And if we treat them well, they'll treat the parents and children well. So charging parents as minimal as possible, ramping up our philanthropic arms. So thank you to Jordan and Helen and that whole development team. And coming up with guiding principles in mind, we want to make sure that we're around for a long haul of the organization. So we have to pay attention to cash. Um, But separate from that, we want people to return and to return strong. So how do we take care of them now? But we'll just have to keep evaluating it like everybody else and see what things are looking like at that point. So I hope I did like a twofer there. I got somebody who had a question and then did a comment. So that's great. That's great. Yeah, because I think, you know, the root of the question is is so critical that, that Lisa, of course, is aware of and what we've talked about today really around the critical nature for child care and early education as a workforce support. And the worst case scenario, the worst possible thing that could come out of this epidemic is an industry that is absolutely decimated 
because of the epidemic. So a month from now, two months from now, four months from now, six months from now, people start going back to work and need childcare and the childcare doesn't exist. Yeah, because you might say we're not being respected in our profession. Our wages are competitive, but they're still not as much as McDonald's a target. And we don't want this to be the last, the icing on the cake, the last thing that pushes them over. So now more than ever in the childcare industry, which already has its own challenges with recruitment and, and um, staff not earning a living wage. And that just, you know, kind of shows you not to get on a soapbox, but how, what we think about children in this country. So what do we need to do to ramp up? So this isn't the last resort and they just say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to retail now. And love Target, love Amazon, et cetera, but we need the critical mass to still care for the kids so they can become the Target employees, the Amazon employees, the engineers, the doctors in the future. Do you think this will, how will providers respond to that? Because you're right, Mm -hmm. that could happen to the provider. It could also happen to the mindset of the employee. Yep. How do you think providers will, they have to change their benefits? Will they have to get their boards to release more? I mean, where's the gap in the pay structure that providers may have to adjust to? Well, I know a part of our strategic plan was uh, front and center is increasing teacher pay. So like part of me, and I was like, should I say this? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to say it. I hope it does for providers. But what I hope it does in particular are the policymakers. So continue to pay us for enrollment, not attendance. I want to make sure that people are aware of that. In childcare, you get paid when your child attends, but not enrollment like schools. There's not like an October count that they use. There is now for the pandemic care. So I hope policymakers increase reimbursement rates, which allows providers to increase salaries. Mm. And until then, like you said, Mike, that they look for creative ways, but Vistage and other groups have just helped me realize what's the planning afterwards from a cash flow standpoint and also from a people standpoint. Like, don't be naive to say, like, they're all going to just come back. You know what? We need to be super proactive. And and gosh, if they all came back and we did need all of our interventions, great. But wouldn't we want to be proactive? And that's something I think in our field, it's all about prevention and being proactive. So let's make sure that this isn't the tipping point for somebody to jump. I do think providers will think about that and individuals, teachers will. And I want individual teachers to do what's best for their families. But if I could retain them, and you know this, Mike, better than I do, the cost of retraining and everything else is just unbelievably high. So it would be an interesting call for like childcare providers through success by six or something to get on the phone and say, you know, how are we tackling this big issue and let's tackle it together. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to put a a spotlight on something Shannon said really around, I'd say one of the structural challenges of the industry is our reimbursement rates from the state that create challenges and how much we're able to pay. So yeah, really putting a spotlight on the importance of the industry, the importance of childcare as a workforce support, not only as a workforce support, but really as a critical developmental step for the education and success of all kids that's really what Learning Grove says every day is that's where exactly where we're focused is in the development and success of all kids. And so continuing to have that conversation and during this epidemic, after this epidemic, and certainly before this epidemic, continuing that conversation of how we support kids so every kid can be successful and developed in their lives and in their school education. Yeah, it'll be interesting, Jordan. I know you and I have been in the room with legislators together on early childhood and on teaching and public school systems. And for all everyone, as you're right, we're going to experience how important all of those are to our daily lives. And it is an economic development and workforce question, not just for today, but also for our future, right? It's got this dynamic of how it impacts our current workforce and how it impacts. And if we can get employers to think about, we have, and legislators, which many of them are funded by the employers to drive revenue, right? And get them to think about the implications of my current whole life of my employees and those mm-hmm. that they're raising and teaching and equipping. And then, oh, by the way, 
you know, my 12 year old in 10 years is going to be in the workforce. Right. So the way that our children and grandchildren receive care, I do hope that the impact of many of these conversations and what we're experiencing change the way we look at healthcare providers, change the way we look at early childhood providers and educators, right? The respect is up. We're all high. We've all read the funny memes that we Mm -hmm. as parents cannot handle teaching. Mm -hmm. So let's do our part to leverage resources like this to highlight a challenge that our nation has and our world has. And let's start putting respect where respect is due. And uh, that's to all of you legislators who are going to listen to this and employers, right? Employers have to do their part. We've talked about getting back to childcare as a benefit Mm -hmm. and how can employers offset? It's so expensive that if an employer who's watching, if you could just do a couple of one or three things, one of the things you can provide as a benefit is funding to pay for childcare for your employees which will add more to your employees' pockets and then they can save and provide for their families in a more holistic and healthy way. So hopefully we'll also take that as we walk out of these conversations. I feel like I should say amen to that. Preach. Preach. (laughs) That's why Jordan encourages me to show up in rooms with legislators. (laughs) You know, we see it at the front line, right? Employers are looking at ways to add benefit. We've sat in the room with preschool promise and pre-k mm-hmm. works and united way and then we go to employers and they don't know about it right it's right. like you just they're living in a world that they are isolated from these conversations and they need to know about it so they can go oh yeah how can i help it's i like to think that employers aren't ignoring it i think it's more right. of an awareness right when i think so we talk about employers and say Every employer has a school close to the place of work where my children go has a learning grove program in it. And, you know, we encourage the employers around that school to come here and volunteer and support. And again, I think it's just going to be highlighted because all of the parents and grandparents who are sitting home Mm-hmm. Going, how does workforce and childcare connect again? Exactly. We've been for years, but hopefully these opportunities are a time to rise up, which is why we're having this discussion. Mike, I think we talk about it, but we don't talk about it with depth. So thanks for allowing us to talk about it. Absolutely. We just kind of float over it like it's a workforce solution, but you put more depth to it today. Thank you. We started the conversation earlier. Please continue to support the organizations that are near and dear to your heart for us and our team and our family. Early childhood education is critically important and we're gonna continue to do our part as much as we can even during this challenging time because you all are in the front line. So Shannon, Jordan, and the rest of your team, all of the uh, early childhood providers who joined us for this discussion, United Way, all of the partners that are doubling down on supporting this Mm -hmm. community, Thank you, thank you, thank you. And please use this as a resource to share out to your followers and your listeners and your community. And also, please, you know, the Talent Magnet Institute and Centennial are always open for conversations. So however you want to communicate with us, let us know. I've had a couple of people already ask if they can provide this link prior to the call to their community. And we said, absolutely. And we hope that continues as we roll out of here. So Shannon, thank you. Jordan, thank you. Janelle, thank you for your support to make this conversation possible. Jordan? Yeah, so we have two locations that are still open, that are open as our epidemic child care centers are probably some of the best locations that are going to be staffed most regularly. And as Shannon mentioned earlier, that's our River Center child care center down here in Covington that was previously known as Treasure House and our East Walnut Hills location as well. Those are probably going to have the most consistent staffing. Our master phone number at 859-431-2075 is still operational and, and still being answered. So the phone and our 
international headquarters in Covington is still open and being answered as well. So if folks have drop-offs, we can certainly manage those as well. And Mike, one thing I wanted to say about Children Inc. prior and Learning Grove really is a new organization of the coming together of Cincinnati Early Learning Centers and Children Inc. So we, because of the new name and CELC's great presence in Ohio and our stronger presence in Northern Kentucky, we actually merged to form a new organization. So just wanted to give additional credit to Cincinnati Early Learning Center. Although it's been hard to do this with the merger of the pandemic here, we've been able to say yes more than no because of this new merger and this new organization. That's great. Yeah, thank you for being an example to, you know, as we say, we focus on nonprofit and for-profit businesses, and we see the mergers and integrations of for-profits happen on key partnership, the ability to scale, the ability to serve in greater ways on for-profit. Thank you for being a great example of how that can happen in the nonprofit space as well. Thanks, Mike. That sounds like a good future podcast, too. Love it. Love it. (laughs) We will get it scheduled. Thank you again for all who participated today. Again, please let us all know what we can be doing to support and to serve you. And um, I appreciate uh, everyone's time. Thank you to the panelists. Thank you to our guests. And we look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in Greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity.